0: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: Along with Ricky Ricardo, I'm Glenn Macnow. And, Rick, our next guest wrote Mm -hmm. this this week uh, in a story with the headline, The Time Has Come to End the Embarrassment that is Flyers Management. He wrote, What has happened on his, his being Chuck Fletcher's watch, is the absolute burning to the ground of a once iconic franchise he was handpicked by beloved founder and former chairman Ed Snyder to oversee. That's be- Oh, I'm sorry. It's not about Chuck Fletcher. It's about Scott. You know what? Let me go to Anthony. Anthony, I'm screwing this whole thing up. I'm trying to praise you, and I got it out of context.
3: You're writing about Scott there. Yeah, well, I, I, ripped, I ripped them all. No, Grand I know, Church, you ripped Fletcher, r- too.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue reading now. That's because if he, Scott, thought last season was rock bottom, he never could have anticipated GM Chuck Fletcher digging flew the through the floor further to find scorching hot lava and letting it erupt and consume the entirety of the franchise. Rick, Anthony is pulling no punches here. Um, I see. Mm-hmm. Anthony, I'm just going to start with the easiest, not the easiest, but the most basic questions. What the hell happened to our hockey
3: franchise? Glenn, as soon as you find the answer to that, let me know. I'll write about it. Yeah. I Seriously, I mean, I, I mean no one knows where it went. I mean, how, how you could go this bad this quick. I mean, when you, you know, you can look back if you really want to and start looking at some of the m- mistakes that maybe were made on one side um, of the operation while the team was still somewhat decent on the ice and say maybe it started there. But you don't. at this point, that's irrelevant, right? I mean, at this point, when you look at it, this team was in game seven of the second round in September of 2020. And here we are in July of 2022, and it's the worst this franchise has ever been. Ever, ever been.
2: Ever. 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 franchise goes back to 1967. This is the worst ever.
3: And so, so how do you go from being one win away from a conference final to being in the worst place your team has ever been in 22 months? I don't know. I, I don't know how that happened. But the fact is is that the, the, the real disappointment here is the fans were, were told one thing by Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher at a press conference in January – and then what it ended up being was something completely different, and it was so the I, wrong, completely different. Like it, it'd be different if, you, if it, they just decided, you know what? We decided to change course. We decided to tear it down. We're gonna be, we're gonna, we're gonna go have a couple years of struggle, but we're gonna rebuild this thing back up. Okay, fine. They took a path that was somewhere in the middle that they're not rebuilding and not retooling, and it's it's awful. It's worse than it's ever been.
4: So I take it the Morgan Frost resigning doesn't move the needle for you here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, no,
4: Ricky, it doesn't. And the fact of the matter is, like, I'm not a big
3: Morgan Frost guy. I mean, I think that the kid can maybe become a little bit of something, maybe become a useful NHL player, but no. He's not going to be a, a big part of this future, uh, of this team. And it, who knows what this team's going to be. The, the, the problem is, is they had an opportunity. There was, a, there was a superstar caliber player who made it be known that he wanted to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. And we knew this not just of late. We've known this throughout his entire career because he's from the area. He's always said he wants to come here. And now he hits free agency, and Chuck Fletcher and his team had six months to find a way to open up enough cap room to sign a player of this caliber and just and missed. They whiffed completely. They punted on the opportunity to do it. And I don't know, like they're not going to be bad enough next year to get a generational pick. They're not going to be good enough to, to um, you know, make the playoffs. They're going to be just another bad hockey team with nobody coming to see them, and it's a, it's a real, real major disappointment.
2: Well, I think you laid this out really well because they decided, okay, we're not going to go in the direction of getting Johnny Goudreau, uh, you know, the best free agent on the market, as you said, the located kid who wants to come home because we don't, well, a they don't have the money, but b they're not going to really try to contend. Two, we're I mean, we're not exactly going to kind of retool, and we're not going to rebuild. So they're kind of in nowhere land. There, there's no, there does not appear to be any plan, or I hate to use the word process because people associate that with one specific thing, but there doesn't appear to be like any kind of game plan to this. Well, this is, this is what I'm trying
3: to say. Glenn. Contradictory moves. So, so, yes. So, like, for example, okay, um, they, they tell us they're going to be aggressive and they're going to go after high-end players in January. Great. Then they go out and they trade three draft picks for Tony D'Angelo, who, you know, is a good offensive defense is going to help the power play, going to make things better on the blue line. Okay, fine. So they, they, they trade assets, future assets, to get better now. Good. They buy out Oscar Lindblom's $3 million contract. Difficult decision because he's a very popular player, obviously, because he beats cancer. But they, they create a little bit of room to do something with that money. Okay, this seems like that's where they're headed. That's the plan. And then right there, it just stops. And instead of going forth with that, they bring back 35-year-old Justin Braun. They sign Nick DeLaurier, who is a fourth-line fighter. There's one of the few fighters left in hockey. For four years, they signed DeLaurier. And you need a backup goalie. Obviously, it's not their fault that Fedotov ends up in the Russian military. But the backup goalies that they signed have a combined nine games of NHL experience. Carter Hart's going to be on an island. Is he, going to play, is he going to play 65, 70 games? Are we going to have expect him to be Marty Brodor? Like you can't. Expect, I don't know what they're doing. There's it just it's incompetence at this point. Like it doesn't make any rational sense
4: at all. The Metropolitan Division is going in one direction and the Flyers are going in the other direction. This, you know, that, that adds fuel to the fire here of how frustrating this immediate future looks. The Rangers are getting better. The Islanders have retooled. The Devils have, you know, some young talent. You know, the, the Flyers are going one way. The rest of the division, the teams that they need to beat are going in the other direction.
3: I, I'm not certain that there's a team in the, in the Metro who the Flyers are better than. And, and, and it's funny because I say I think that they could be a little bit better than the fourth worst team in hockey. I think that the Metro is just a, a loaded division. Right. When you're right, Ricky. When you when you look at these teams in this division, they all kind of improved or at least stable or kept themselves stable. Like Pittsburgh, you know, they brought back Malkin, they brought back Latang. Um, so they, they, you know, those teams all kind of stayed where they were or got better. And the Flyers didn't do anything. The Flyers just went. Eh. Okay. Look, if you if the plan is, is for the team to be absolutely awful, you know, just play terrible and and maybe have a shot at Connor Bedard who a lot of people think is the next Connor McDavid, um, okay, fine, but say that. Tell people that's your plan. I think the fan base would be okay with that and people would come see the team this year and kind of get excited for the possibility of that. But if you're not going to do that, if you're going to sit there and tell them that, you know, I mean Charlie Charlie uh, O'Connor asked uh, Chuck Fletcher this at his press conference at, uh, after free agency, and said, "What happened to the aggressive retool?" He said, "No, this isn't aggressive. This is an aggressive yeah. retool." Yeah, We well, just signed
2: the worst uh, forward in hockey to a four-year deal at age thirty-one. <laughs> um, uh, uh Sam Hinkie, aka Anthony Sanfilippo, is with us, um, advocating advocating the, the process.
4: A process. Yes, that they, no. that, they, that, they, that they, yeah,
2: right. This would be the process. The I process. Like yeah. The process. Yeah. The so, process. so short of that, um, Anthony, I was at a couple games last year, sat with you at least once or twice, and that place was a morgue. Now they got to go out and sell season tickets for the next year. I'm not asking you to tell the Flyers marketing department what to do, but Anthony, other than gritty, and God, please know, please that this this is why I can't stand gritty how are they going to get 20 people in the building?
3: I don't know. I feel, and I honestly feel bad for them in that regard because, you know, Tortorella will give you a little push at the beginning. Obviously fans are going to want to come out and see see him coach and see see what the team looks like in his style, I think, so that maybe gets you that first month, the home games within that first month, people will be interested. But if the team gets off to a bad start, you know, especially if the Eagles are good, which a lot of people think, you know, especially if uh, – you know, you know, the Sixers are going to be coming back at that time of year. You're, you're not going to have any interest. And then the schedule makers did them no favors. They, uh, they only play one home game against Pittsburgh. So you're not even, you don't even have the, the, the rivalry game, right, that you, you know, other than that one time, and that's Black Friday, which sells anyway. And then after the Super Bowl, they only play two games at home against division opponents. All the games that are at home after the Super Bowl are either the other division or Western Conference teams. Nobody's going to be in that arena. Nobody. It's going to be an empty shell. And, and I don't know what they could do to market it. I mean, it's, it's beyond me. I, I mean, if they average, and I'm saying real butts in seats, not ticket sales, because you can always fudge the number of, actually, of actual tickets sold, but the drop count, which is the number of people that actually walk into the building, if they get 10000 a game, they should count
4: their lucky stars because that's really what you're looking at. i Uh take the under.
2: i definitely take the under.
4: <laughs> yeah. Who does Tortorella, you know, upset first? His own fan base, the league, you know, the volcano known as Torts? When does that <laughs> erupt?
3: Well, I, you know, it's a good question. I I think that you know, one of the interesting things that he said, um, you know, in, in his opening media tour was that there is a there's a fractured locker room, and that that he needs to repair that first and foremost. So. I think that internally is where he's going to upset Apple cards first and foremost. I think mm. he's going to, he's going to, he's going to upset players first and foremost and see which ones want to buy in to his style and system and which ones don't belong and, and really root out the problems in the locker room. And I think that's what he's going to do first and foremost. I think fans are going to give him a chance. I really do. I think that they like the fact that he's a little bit old school. Um, I think that's what Flyers fans like. Um, so I think the fans will give him a little bit of time. The other possibility, of course, is the media. He doesn't like dumb questions. He doesn't want to be asked stupid questions. Um, he'll get real frothy. Uh, so I think that there's a real possibility that uh, there could be some, some real nice uh, tete-a-tete between, between John and, and some of the media folks. So um, that's the other possibility. But, uh, but no, I, I, look, guys, I don't see it. I just don't see how this team is really competitive in any way. This upcoming season. Do
2: you think Tortorella signed up knowing this?
3: I, I, you know, I wonder, Glenn. That's a great question. I wonder if he knew that he was going to be this first season was going to be ugly. Um, look, you, he had to know. This is how I look at it. You know, John Buccigross from ESPN. He tweeted out, you know, the, that Tortorella was going to end up with the Flyers. They were working on a show at ESPN together, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, that was a thing, right? So, like, of course you knew when Bucci puts that out, well, he knows because he's working on the show with the guy. Well, Bucciarocz also put out that the Flyers were going to sign Johnny Gaudreau. So, Mm. don't you think Torts is telling him, Uh, yeah, we're going to go get Gaudreau? And and because Chuck was trying like mad, and I know for a fact, Chuck tried like mad to trade James Van Riemsdyk's contract, but teams held him over a barrel because they knew what he was trying to do. And he didn't want to give up the first-round pick in the 23 draft because he felt that it was too deep of a draft and felt that that was too st- steep of a price to pay, and it didn't happen. And Gaudreau was stunned. That's why he ended up in Columbus. Yeah. He was stunned. He thought he was coming home. So, yeah, I don't know if Tortorella was, was told this was what it was going to be. I think Tortorella thought he was going to have a player to, to kind of work with and not be in the situation that he's in.
4: Hmm. So he might be Henri already. <laughs> yeah, he, could, he may have been sold be. a
3: bill of goods. Hmm? Yeah, well, he could be. It could be. I don't want to say bill of goods so, so, you know, too much because you never know. Or you, 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 that's the plan, that that's what you're going to do. Um, and then if it's, you know, something could always fall through. But normally there's a backup plan, right? If so, okay, if the Johnny Gaudreau thing doesn't happen for whatever reason, another team offers more money, he chooses something, decides to stay in Calgary, whatever, like if that doesn't happen – there's, there's, I'm sure there's a plan B, right? They're going to go after another big-name guy or, or, or two mid-level guys that kind of make up the difference. Well, they didn't do that. Yeah. And, that's, and so that's where it's, it's not necessarily that it's a bill of goods. It's that it's, it's incompetent that they didn't have a plan beyond the Johnny Gaudreau signing to put in place. Yeah, they just didn't have one. That's- All
2: right, two, two more real quick ones Great. for me, um, and and if Rick wants to close, that's fine. Uh, I'll I'll ask them together. One, do you have any thoughts on the first round pick? And two, one of the things they did is they traded for Tony D'Angelo, who comes with a ton of baggage, uh, and signed him to a two-year, ten million dollar deal. Would you quickly assess those two moves?
3: Yeah. So the first, I'll say, is Cutter uh, Cutter Gauthier. Um, when, whenever there's a draft, I mean, I, I, I don't get to see these kids play junior hockey, so I don't know anything about them. Um, so what I like to do is I like to ask NHL scouts that aren't from the Flyers, you know, what do you think of this player? And I, so I asked two guys who I respect really well, and uh, both thought highly of them. But the one said this. The one said, I give the Flyers credit. They went outside the box here, and they're going to make him a center. He said if we, ha- if we, and he meant the scouting community, had the opportunity to watch Cutter Gauthier with his size and skill set as a center, maybe in like World Juniors or another tournament like that, there's a good chance that maybe we would have picked him one or two because that if that translates really well. Um, So give the Flyers a little bit of credit there that they could be developing a player that's maybe better than where he was drafted. You get a little bit of a steal at pick five. Um, As for D'Angelo, again, um, not wanting to just jump on to the uh, public narrative train. Um, I talked to some people down in Carolina that I know um, and said, listen, you guys signed him last year. Um, I'm sure you had to do some due diligence. What was your thoughts? And then what was he like when he was with you? And they said, listen, we talked to dozens of former teammates, coaches. They all said good things about him. Uh, so we took a chance. We brought him in when he came in. Everybody loved him. The coaches loved him. He was never a problem here. Um, really good, you know, good player, good guy in the locker room. Uh, there's a belief that some of the stuff, I mean, obviously it happened. It happened, and we're not trying to take it away from that it happened, but it happened when he was 16 years old. Yes, there was the fight in New York, but now there's a question of who do you believe was responsible for that? Was it D'Angelo or was it Georgiev, right? I mean, so that's one that's, you know, there's two sides to every story. The other stuff occurred when he was 16, 17 years old. Do we want to hold that against an adult for something he did 10, 12 years ago? I mean, yeah, it happened. We have to know it happened. That way, if it happens again, all right, there's a pattern. But then again, I think maybe sometimes you have to look at it and say, ah, uh, let's, f- let's, let's wait and see, you know, if that, if that develops again. And, and then if it does, okay, shame on us. We, we, we took the chance and we blew it.
4: All right. I'll wrap it up then, Glenn. I'll ask both of you guys, and I'm a hockey guy just as much as you guys are. I saw Sean McDonough last night at the stadium because he's also doing Red Sox uh, radio. I thought the, the first year of the TNT-ESPN takeover of the game was okay. There was some things I liked about the way they presented the game of hockey, some things that I didn't like. I want you guys' take on year one of TNT-ESPN presenting the game of hockey. Uh, well, I'll go first, Glenn, because you'll probably have more time than me to
3: answer. Um, uh, my thoughts were, kind of like, like you, Ricky, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I thought TNT's pregame show was really good. Uh, at their studio show, I think is really good. I think that they have, they've they figured out a formula that worked in the NBA and now found one that works for the NHL. So I really like what they do in studio better than what ESPN does. I think ESPN's is very, you know, very stiff um, and, and stuffy. Uh, as far as the broadcasts, though, I like ESPN's broadcasts better than TNT's broadcasts. I think there's better people on air there. Um, and I think that just having hockey on ESPN is good for the sport. So whether or not the actual broadcasts are great or not, just the notion that they're there and they're treating it as a sport that matters helps immensely. Because for years and years, hockey was kind of off the radar in this country, and now now it's back. So that's my take on it. does.
2: It's a platform that they need. I like TNT's coverage much, much better. Uh, Snow the Goalie podcast is a must-listen. Anthony Sanfilippo, it is always a pleasure, my friend.
3: Hey, anytime, guys. Love talking uh, to you. All right, take care. There See
2: you, Ant. Um, yeah, I, I thought I like. I agree with him. TNT's got Gretzky's kind of a stiff, but the other guys on the studio show are very are very good.
4: Yeah, I mean Messier was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> By <laughs> the way,
2: did uh, did this segment uh, provide you with any hope for the upcoming season? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. No. Let's sneak in Ron for Maryland. You're on with Ricky Ricardo and Glenn Macnow. hey, Ron.
5: I can't believe it. You're two of my favorite talk show hosts, and I'm talking music but when I want to talk to you today. But wow. tying it in with what you were saying, I always was a big Motown fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I love the original now. And I'm, I'm Ray Danger's age, so that should tell you something. Ray One loves, by stages, the way,
2: Motown is Ray's favorite genre exactly,
5: of music. And he yep. would talk to you about the Uptown Theater. I go back to the arena in 46 and Market, where the famous Philadelphia Ramblers played. And anytime time Smokey Robinson or The Temptations were in town, I would go to their concerts, okay? Well, hold on. Well, this
2: is Ray Dinger, isn't it? You're just calling with a different voice. No, no. as no, no. you know, that's his favorite musician.
5: Oh, well, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. oh, yeah, I, when I hear him talk, I, I can remember me and six Italian guys, the only white guys in the place, and the women screaming to, oh, baby, baby. So I know exactly what he was saying. But anyway, so... One, one year, I don't know if you're familiar with the old Latin Casino in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, if you drove by, it it didn't look like much. You know, It was like in a strip mall, but everybody and their grandmother who was anything entertained there. So one New Year's Eve, me and a friend, Dave Spencer, who, by the way, he was instrumental. He was from Delaware. He recruited Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers at USC before they transferred. So we have our dates at the Latin Casino for dinner and uh, the temps. So we're killing time. We walk around the back, and like most strip malls, you know, they, in the back is where they get their deliveries. I see this big Cadillac, and the license plate, the old blue drab Michigan license plate, simply says, yep. D-Ruffin. D-Ruffin. So I said to Dave, what do you think? <laughs> I stick my head in the window, and I feel a shoulder grabbing me real hard. And I look up, and the old stereotype of Mr. Clean, there's this big white guy, shaved head, earring, and before, earrings are fashionable for mm-hmm. some men. And he goes, can I help you? And I went, just looking. I'm sorry. He goes, that's all you had to say. He opens the door. It is David Ruffin's Cadillac. He says, what do you think of the upholstery? Well, uh, leopard skin upholstery.
3: <laughs> I sit
5: in the car. I'm 5'10 in shoes. So Dave was tall. I slide back, right? And I look at the console, and I see an A track And I go, there's a tape in there. And I go, what does the great David Ruffin listen to when He's not performing. I grabbed the A track. What was it? The Temptations live at the Copa Cavana.
2: Wow! But uh, <laughs> first of all, the fact that they yeah. let you do that is impressive. Second of all, good story.
4: Do you still have that eight track? Well, he's not with us right now. No. Okay, I, If he still has it put in his pocket that night, it's probably well, worth a pretty thing. Steal it. You wouldn't steal something. <laughs> well, he, he got as far as pulling the thing out of the That's, machine. That, for is,
2: that is true. I had yeah. an eight track player when I, in my first car, when I was a kid. And I don't know if you ever had an eight track before. I mean, the, no, they my, tried first to, was,
4: my first was a cassette.
2: Okay, so a track was to cassette what Betamax was to VCR, which is they thought like, hey, here's a different technology that like doesn't work as well, but we're going to try to get you to buy it. And um, my sister, God bless her, got me an a track for my high school graduation that was in my car. Ricky, I am not exaggerating to tell you that every single tape would break. Yes. And what it would be <laughs> is it would play, and then it would unspool inside the player so you'd be listening and be like, Oh brr, brr, Right? And you'd try to pull it out before the whole thing unspooled, and then it would just be broken.
4: Once you pulled the, the A track out and the yeah. tape was out, forget yeah. it. There was no way to get into the shell to fix it. Correct. Yeah. It was pretty much shot.
2: 215-592-9494 215-592-9494 We are here until 1 Birds Radio is coming up after that it was, uh, to, Is it James Seltzer and Reuben Frank? Today? It's uh,
6: Reuben Frank and Rob Ellis today
2: And actually. Rob, Reuben and Rob Well there you go By the way, this segment sponsored by Meridian Bank Business banking at its best Visit them at meridianbanker.com Ricky Ricardo and Glenn Mac now on 94
1: WIP
0: Call from mom Answer it
2: With Rick Ricardo, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, this segment is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Um, so, Rick, the All-Star Game is this week. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I, everything's more fun when you're a kid, right? Because I remember getting so excited about the All-Star Game back in the day. Is it that I was younger? And I'm not just talking like when I was 12. I'm talking like when I was in my 20s, 30s. Like, oh, the All-Star Game or is it that it doesn't have the luster it used to for various reasons.
4: Oh, it absolutely does not have the luster. By the way, just to answer a previous question of yours, Glenn.
2: Yeah.
4: Alec Baum is in the lineup. Oh, good. He's, he's hitting 7th. So that's good, good news. Glad uh, to hear. Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Hall, Realmuto, Stott, Baum, Didi Gregorius and Matt Vierling. I don't think the uh, the concept of an all-star game, the last of the Mohicans, per se, I think is maybe still baseball, and that's lost a lot of the luster. I didn't like the hanging the uh, the home field advantage of the World Series thing yeah, over no, the uh, no, you know, over the All-Star game a few years no. ago. I'm, I'm glad that they've gotten rid of that. But I used to look forward to watching the guys that I would never see when I was young. I mean, I, I, at, at my home in New Jersey growing up, we watched... Philadelphia television and New York television. We have both. Mm-hmm. So we'd watch the Yankees. You'd watch the Mets. And on PHL 17 and eventually uh, on 29, it was Phillies baseball. So I knew every Philly. I knew every Met. I knew every Yankee. But they were, especially if it was a game uh, on the West Coast, I didn't know who the big stars you know, on the Oakland A's were or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guys on the Dodgers, per se. So – to see all of them showcased in one place was something that I looked forward to. And then, when you voted, when my first experience in yeah, voting for the All Star game, that. Yeah, was the ballot that they had at the supermarket, the and little punched, chads. Yeah, with the chads, and you yes. punch the hole. You know, so I would purposely grab three or four. Three or
2: four. Oh, you were. <laughs> my, I would try to go through twenty of those things with a hole puncher.
4: Yeah. So you, you you felt like you were part of it. Yeah, I You agree. really did because, you know, it was really on a ground level, the voting process. And you thought, well, I voted for this guy and he made it, and I wanted to watch the guy that I voted for. It was a big deal. But, no, the All-Star game is just uh, the concept of All-Star games. In hockey, they've tried a hundred different, you no, know. It'll
2: guys. never work in hockey because nobody plays defense, and so it's a different game.
4: Exactly. The NBA All-Star game is more of a party it's a it's a hip hop culture party for the entire weekend. The game is anticlimactic. Heaven knows the Pro Bowl's not even you know, and they still get ratings, which is beyond me. Uh, it's
2: astounding that they still get ratings. They know it's an embarrassment. They're yeah. talking about ending the Pro Bowl, but they outdraw any any basketball, any hockey, any baseball game with that stupid Pro Bowl.
4: Yeah. The content itself draws eyeballs. But the baseball all star game, which is the traditional, I guess if you want to call it you know, granddaddy of all-star games uh, is nowhere near as, uh, as important or as, you know, uh, alluring or attractive as what it used to be.
2: Now, I have not gone through the uh, rosters that are going to be playing this week. I see today's a day where, you know, a lot of guys who dropped out, their new guys are being added. Austin Riley of the Braves was added today. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody sent me this morning. The rosters of the 1971 All-Star game. And I understand, I appreciate that I'm was about that a, to go was back. Was that at Tiger Stadium? It was at Tiger Stadium. It's the yeah. famous one where Reggie. Reggie Jackson hits the home run into the light stanchion, right? But I appreciate that I'm going way back. But people will know these names. There were 19 Hall of Famers in that game. Let me run the names by you, okay? This is the, Nas- this is the National League roster. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell, Lou Brock, Willie McCovey. I'm on my third Willie. Uh, Ron Santo, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose. I know he's not a Hall of Famer, but you know we know Should what we're be. talking about. Yeah. Juan Marichal, Ferguson Jenkins. Ouch! How is that for talent, man?
4: <laughs> and see, even Willie Mays to a guy like man. I remember that All Star game because. The, all the kids in the neighborhood. We created a cardboard box tent outside with a with a long cord. We oh. took out a, a little black and white TV. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and we actually created. It was middle of summer, no school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we created a cardboard box tent with a long extension cord from the basement for power, and had a little you know portable seven inch whatever black and white TV, and we watched it with popcorn and sodas and stuff. You know, and we wanted to watch the great Willie Mays because he was a San Francisco Giant, and you could never watch that. So it was really the only time that you could see some of these great athletes, and to see them all in one place was just, you know, was amazing to us when we were seven, eight years old.
2: Sure, here's your American League Hall of Famers that night. Rod Carew. I love watching Rod Carew. I used
4: to love his batting stance, and just Mm -hmm. I used to imitate it all the time. I could never hit the ball. I imitated Carew. (laughs) Him Both. and Dick McAuliffe. Because you're probably not left-handed. Yeah. I used, I, I tried to imitate. Remember Dick McAuliffe?
2: I uh, loved it. Dick McAuliffe. It's funny. I was in a conversation with somebody this week. The first baseball glove I had as a kid was a Dick McAuliffe autographed glove. So he became my favorite player. I actually have. I did a Tiger fantasy camp years later, met him, and have a picture with him. Yes, he had a great batting stance. Impossible to hit from. Uh, okay, Rod Carew, Carl Yastrzemski, Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, Ooh. Al Kaline, Harmon Kellebrew, Louis Aparicio, Reggie Jackson, and Jim Palmer. I mean, that's a game! Wow.
4: Yeah. See, uh, see that? That is. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's baseball showcasing itself at a time where you know uh, it was it was the game. It was still the national pastime.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, and that's and and it was, it was something. And and I I am not doing this to do a hey it was greater back in the day and then it is now because there are some stars and there's talent in the game today that's as good as it ever was. Uh, you know, I there are aspects of the game I don't like now. I don't like the diminishing importance of starting pitchers. You know, give me five innings and go sit down. By the way, no team more guilty of that than your New York Yankees.
4: Guilty of.
2: Guilty of tell the starting pitcher go five innings and go sit down your job is done. <laughs> the Whoa, Yankees,
4: got, the yeah, Yankees
2: they a a led. The, they, I know. Well, of course they led the major league in relief innings last year.
4: Yeah, well, they've had a great bullpen, and they, they
2: even when there was no DH in the National League. Yeah,
4: the the concept of the starting pitcher uh, throwing a complete game, it's you know that's that that has gone the way of the Edsel. Do you remember Glenn? Who the pitcher was? of which Reggie Jackson hit the ball off the light stanchion.
2: Who Reggie hit it? Okay, so it's got to be a National League pitcher. Yeah.
4: Give you a hint. He okay. once threw a no-hitter on LSD, according
2: oh, to him. Oh, well, <laughs> well, that cuts the pool down a little bit. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that was the great Doc Ellis. Yeah, the late great Doc Ellis. Yeah.
2: Wow, well, there you go. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we can reminisce. Let's go to Lori. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, Lori.
4: Hi, how are you? Good. Hi,
5: Lori. Good. Yeah, I just called to talk about the Phillies and to say that I absolutely think they can make the playoffs. Uh, I know people got very upset with them losing, you know, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But think of how many players they were missing, and now they're back, and hopefully we'll be getting Harper back soon and Singora. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about it? you think they will or they
0: can?
4: Mm. Rick? I think they have enough to be one of the wild cards. I think the division, that ship has sailed. It'll probably be the Mets. I think the Braves and the Mets will battle the division out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with the extra wild card, I think that's the impetus for upper management to make a move. Look, they're in the deep end of the pool now. They've already gone beyond the luxury tax threshold, so they're already swimming in deep waters. Uh, Now it's, it's time to make a move try to get at least enough pieces to get them into some postseason play, bring the enthusiasm enthusiasm back to South Philadelphia. There would be nothing better. And, and Laurie, thank you for the call. There'd be nothing better than to have events on both sides, you know, in in South Philadelphia. An Eagle game, oh, we're going to have to play the baseball game at night so they don't play at the same time. Please give me that headache of having a, a, a possible Major League Baseball playoff game and an Eagle regular season game going on on the same Sunday.
2: It was so great during those years, it 07 to 11, mm-hmm. when they won those five division championships and were in the playoffs every year at that time, October. And you would go from – you would have the both on the same day. And there were yeah. times when they were both here, and it was – you know wasn't fun for traffic purposes but my god it was really special this team has been in a playoff drought for 11 years this would be a great year to yeah. end it and hey what do i put the odds i would say they have a and i didn't look it up because there are actually statistics published every day i'd give them a 40% chance to make the
4: playoffs i think that i i'm going to go a little higher i'll go 50% i don't buy the giants uh, I think boy, they Ka- collapsed. Yeah, Kepler Ka- did a tremendous job last year with smoke and mirrors, but they missed Buster Posey. They've got a bunch of pieces yeah. that are gone from that team, so I'm not buying the San Francisco Giants, uh, the Cardinals. Who I guess the Phillies did win the season series, right? From the they Cardinals, did. they so did. So there's remember, there's no tiebreaker extra game, right? So that's a feather in their cap there because that might be close. Uh, with Milwaukee and St. Louis. One of those two teams is going to win the Central. The other one's going to be a a contender for one of the wild cards. So the way the National League is shaping out and and San Diego up and down, uh, even if you concede the NL East loser, one of the wild card spots, the Padres, Phillies, Cardinals, they're all right there, give or take. So uh, I think the Phillies are a move or two away before the August 2nd trade deadline. From bringing baseball back to October in South Philly,
2: and by the way, your Michael Taylor from the Royals to play center field, I think, is a brilliant idea. I, I'd so, I'd love to see it. There you go. He's got a contract through next year, about four point five mil. Not much affordable. now yeah. No, you give him a pretty good prospect. It's done. I like it. All right, coming up, uh, we'll sneak in a caller two two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four, and we will find out from our producer Kyle Quinn what did we forget to talk about today. He's Ricky Ricardo. I'm Glenn Mack Now on ninety four WIP. He's Rick Ricardo. I'm Glenn Mack now. Um, so, Rick, you had t- uh, texted me during one of the breaks that there's a, there's a story you wanted to tell about running yeah. into one, one of the greats of broadcasting and the funniest guy in the business, Bob Euchre.
4: Well, this all has to do with the fact uh, that you and Ray had the great run with the Tell Me Your Story series. Yeah. And it was fresh off of the Al Michaels interview.
2: He was a great guest. He, right. he, yeah, he knows that to tell story. So
4: I'm at a, a, a baseball broadcaster's uh, luncheon, as a matter of fact, and I'm at a table with Bob Eucher, who is, as you know, Glenn, one of the funniest, just naturally funniest people you're ever going to meet. And he remembered me from – I had interviewed him a couple of times uh, when I was still doing the Phillies and Españolos. that. remember he used to do the pregame on uh, on twelve ten on PHT, the uh, We had two pregames, yep. and I was the host of the first pregame, and I had interviewed Bob on a couple of occasions. So uh, I was telling him, I said, you know, he was discussing some of the great broadcasters he's always worked with. And I said, you know, I just listened to an in-depth interview uh, that Glenn MacDonald and Ray Dittinger did with Al Michaels, and, and I thought it was fascinating. And so he tells me, he says, sit down, i got a story to tell you. I wish it was Euchre telling the story, Glenn, but you'll mm-hmm. get a kick out of this. Mm-hmm. So Euchre tells me, he says, the first time that um, – he did a game, Nash. Remember, uh, back in the late 70s, ABC had the baseball package, Monday Night Baseball, and the trio was Al Michaels, Howard Cosell, yeah. and Bob Euchre. So yeah, pi- yeah. picture, picture <laughs> that trio, okay, yeah. as we start the story. So they're doing a game between the Phils, and You know, he, he remembered me from the Phillies. So he says, I'm doing a Phillies-Astros game at the old Astrodome. And the Phils take an early five nothing lead against the Astros. It's like in the in the uh, bottom of the second inning, and the Astros leadoff hitter gets a single. And Cosell on the air says, "Well, Yuka, it's a perfect time for a sacrifice bunt here to move the runner over." So yuca being a baseball guy, you know, remember Cosell did not like to be you know, outsmarted or, oh, no, you know, no, no, or no. shown up at all. But Bob couldn't just follow along with this nonsense and says, well, Howard, it's it's only the bottom of the second inning. You're already f- down five runs. I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't bunt here. I'm, I'm giving him the hit sign, you know? So there's an eerie silence, and Cosell, who's now insulted by the fact that he didn't agree with him, says to Euchre, well, Euchre, that was rather truculent of you, wasn't it? And I bet you don't even know what I'm talking about. So Euchre takes a breath and says, "Michael's is, is is already starting to, you know, sweat this thing. Where is this going?" So Euchre, in his infinite wisdom, says to Howard Cosell, "Well, Howard, I guess if you had a truck, and you let me borrow it, then it would be a truckulent." <laughs> Mike <laughs> Euchre says that Michaels went completely silent. <laughs> Everyone in the truck couldn't believe that his retort to the great Howard Cosell <laughs> was that when he was accused of being truculent. I, I love that over his it. over his comment about Bunting. Was well, if you had a truck. And you let me borrow it, then it would be truck you Truck you There
2: you go. Good <laughs> stuff. Loved you. Always loved you.
4: <laughs> I uh, thought it was
2: great. It was a great story. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, Business Bank, and it's best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Let's go to producer Kyle Quinn. Find out what did we forget to talk about today.
6: All right, guys. So I'm going to get this one first out of the way here because I want to ease your guys' minds, relax you a little bit because I know both of you have been very adamant about this issue for a long time. But no fear, Everybody. Because Jim Thorpe was reinstated as gold medals from the 1912 Olympics. There was uh, a little bit of an issue with amateur eligibility back yeah. then. So I know you guys were uh, clamoring for him to get those I back.
2: Actually am, I actually I, I appreciate your humor in this, but I think Jim Thorpe is someone who, um, because of who he was in the time he was, uh, was treated very, very unfairly. And I don't know that you can right wrongs 100 years later. Yeah. But I'm all in favor of giving Jim Thorpe any glory he can have, including naming a town after him in Pennsylvania. I've been I agree. There.
4: I agree. It's a step in the right direction. If anything,
6: yeah, one of the uh, one of the great athletes of all time, Jim Thorpe. There, so good for him. A wrong that was righted. All right, uh, Ricky, you probably saw this one last night. This is a uh, has some significance to the standings, the wild card race, and uh, where the Phillies are. So the Giants were playing the Milwaukee Brewers last night, down five to two to the Brewers in the bottom of the ninth inning until uh, they hit three home runs, one of them by Darren Ruff, including a grand slam off of none other than Josh Hader to come back and win the game. How about that?
4: Darren Ruff has gotten a second life under the leadership skills of one Gabriel Kapler and has made the most of it. So my hat's off to him.
2: Good for him. <laughs> That's the second time you've given Kapler a lot of credit in the last 15 minutes. The I, I, look, I, always,
4: I said he'd be a great manager anywhere else other than Philadelphia, but before he got the giant job, I said he would fit perfectly in San Francisco. Everything about that city, that team, and Kapler – Fit like a glove. Love it's a better it. Better fit.
2: I, Love I it. don't know. I don't know that he's a, he will ever be considered a great manager, but I will agree it's a better fit. <laughs> Didn't Baby Yaz hit a grand slam in that game?
4: Uh, see, I, I it, believe I he did. I have the box score here. Yes,
6: it was. Yeah, it was yes, Baby it was. Yaz yeah. there. Yeah. The grand Josh
4: Hader has been giving up home runs left and right.
6: Well, yeah, we saw that firsthand like a yeah. month yeah. ago. Yes, it's we and did. Houlin, that man. was the Alec Boehm night of heroics. Yes. yes. All right, fellas. Uh, can okay, I, uh, can I get what your else? thoughts on this is a this is a pretty big one that I don't think we've touched on at all but it popped up I think sometime last week but I mean this is it's just bending my mind in every which way. Uh Adam Silver is planning on, well, I guess has proposed the idea starting in 2023-2024 season of an in-season tournament uh for all 30 NBA teams. So it would be I guess in the middle of the season probably during the All-Star break, 30 teams, single elimination. I just have no idea what this would mean? Who would care? Why? I mean, you guys just—you you guys have at it.
2: Well, it's a European soccer thing, I think, and I'm not saying it to slam European soccer. I think it—it it, it maybe it works over there. Is there a—is there a—is there a prize? Is there an award? is there an incentive to win?
6: It's probably going to be a lot of money. I think. I think it's going to be a big—that's
4: great. Money for who?
6: I, the players that win it.
4: Uh, they're making gazillions of dollars. i mean yeah what a modern for
2: that right yeah, i mean this yeah. this relates back to the jt real muto thing we talked about at the start of the show the amount of money professional athletes make is so um out of touch or out right. of tune with what the average person makes that like i don't need joel mb to make more money yeah. what they you know what they should do if they do this they should find one charity in each town and say each game your team wins in this tournament that charity gets $10 million, and if you win the whole I mean, I'm pulling numbers out of the air, yeah. but if, if your team wins the whole thing, that charity gets, you know, all this money, all this publicity, that would be something, Rick, that I think people yeah, would emotionally invest in.
4: If you tell me the Sixers win and you know, CHOP, for example, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many of them, but let's say the Children's Hospital gets the rewards from it, then yeah, I'd be all for it. But to continue to enrich... The athlete that has already got too much money—that uh, you know—they know what to do with—it eh, doesn't interest me at all.
6: Uh, I just—I just don't see how they would be able to put it together, considering all that we know about NBA players and load management, the All-Star Game is pretty much right. a joke already. Anyway, they don't play. Who's going to want to exert themselves? Like, could you imagine if Joel and Bead went out there and got injured in this mid-season tournament, right. And w- weren't able to come back and play, you know, games that actually matter for the Sixers? I mean,
2: it'd be ridiculous. No, it's a great point. It's a preseason game in the middle of the season, which nobody going to care about but unless they can find a hook uh the the one i gave i like so there you go i'll endorse myself
1: um now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way